ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद भागवतम self-preservation. Since a human being is meant for inquiry about the absolute truth, nothing else should be the goal of one's works. Apart, the completely bewildered material civilization is wrongly directed towards the fulfillment of desires in sense gratification. In such civilization in all spheres of life, the ultimate end is sense gratification. In politics, social service, altruism, philanthropy, and ultimately in religion or even in salvation, the very same tint of sense gratification is ever increasingly predominant. In the political field, the leaders of men fight with one another to fulfill <coughs> their personal sense gratification. The voters adore these so-called leaders only when they promise sense gratification. As soon as the voters are dissatisfied in their own sense qualification, they dethrone the leaders. The leaders must always disappoint the voters by not satisfying their senses. The same is applicable in all other fields. No one is serious about the problems of life. Even those who are on the path of salvation desire to become one with the absolute truth and desire to commit spiritual suicide for sense qualification. But the Bhagavatam says that one should not live for sense gratification. One should, <coughs> one should satisfy the senses only in so much as required for self-preservation and not for sense gratification. Because the body is made of senses which also require a certain amount of satisfaction. There are regulative directions for satisfaction of such senses. But the senses are not meant for unrestricted enjoyment. For example, marriage or the combination of a man with a woman is necessary for progeny, but it is not meant for sense enjoyment. In the absence of voluntary restraint, there is propaganda for family planning, but foolish men do not know that family planning is automatically executed as soon as there is search after the absolute truth. Seekers of the absolute truth are never allured by unnecessary engagements in sense gratification because the serious students seeking the absolute truth are always overwhelmed with the work of researching the truth. In every sphere of life, therefore, the ultimate end must be seeking out for the absolute truth, and that sort of engagement will make one happy because he will be less engaged in varieties of sense gratification. And what that absolute truth is, is explained as follows. This verse very clearly states the vital principle of what human life should not be. Life should not be directed towards sense gratification. 
the positive side is <coughs> suggested in the verse which follows this. That the absolute truth is the uh, non-dual Brahman Paramatma that is accepted, that is stated by those who are knowers of the truth. So negative and positive. Negative side means one should not endeavor for sex gratification. Positive side, one should endeavor for Krishna consciousness. One should understand that human life is meant for more than living like animals do for sex gratification. Lord Rishabdeva advised his sons that having attained this human form of life, one shouldn't endeavor for sense gratification, which even the pigs that eat stool, they have sense gratification. Pigs, uh, they have so much sense gratification. But rather, one should undertake divine austerities which lead one to the mode of goodness and beyond by which one can attain to eternal happiness eternal and unlimited happiness why do we engage in sense gratification? because we want happiness we think it will give us happiness Modern civilization is especially, actually all materialistic civilization, but modern civilization is extremely materialistic. So, modern civilization is based on the principle of sense gratification in an extremely gross way. So everything is advertised with the idea that by using this product you will get sense gratification and therefore you will get happiness. This is the underlying principle of every advertisement. Now many things that are advertised for sale, they don't in and of themselves bring sense gratification. Just like car tires. What kind of sense gratification can you get from a car tire? Well, the, the children, they take the old tires and they take them out in the lake and they they play on them. But that's not the purpose for which car tires are sold. Car tires are sold for putting on the wheel of a car. So it's very difficult to think how you get any. Sense gratification means by seeing, touching, tasting, smelling and feeling. So either by seeing a car tire, by touching it, by smelling it, by tasting it, or by touching it, one cannot get any sense gratification. Yet, it is understood that uh, you can't sell a product unless you promise some sense gratification. You could, a real advertisement, they should say, this is the quality of the car tire, it is very strong and this and that. But in the Western countries, the, the advertisement of car tires is especially well known for being that of having the most 
lurid pictures of naked or almost naked women, which have got nothing to do with cartels. But they create the fantasy that by buying this cartel, you'll enjoy some beautiful woman. But the cartels have nothing to do with beautiful women. But they create this image of sense gratification, that by using this tire, you will enjoy the sense gratification of a beautiful woman, because there's no sense gratification in a car tire. Whichever way you travel, you can, uh, by seeing it, even if you if you paint it pink, still it's just a car tire. Or by touching it, you can touch it as much as you like, there's no sense gratification. By tasting it, you could make car tire pakoras or still wouldn't be very nice. Who wants to eat car tires? Any, any volunteers? So, they ridiculously ascribe to it, to the car tire, that this, this is, if you buy this, then it's got something to do with beautiful women. And they think, oh, beautiful women, that's That's, I want that. Dhanam, janam, surali, that's what I want. Wealth, pain, followers, and especially Sundar, beautiful women. So everything is advertised for sense gratification with the idea that sense gratification will give us happiness. But, Rishabdev says, don't endeavor for that. Endeavor for that happiness which is eternal and unlimited, spiritual happiness, Brahmasu. Simply to withdraw from sense gratification is not complete in itself. This verse is very important verse. But it doesn't give the whole purpose of human life. That one should withdraw from sense gratification, that is true. But then over and above that, one should engage in the service of Krishna. That is not stated in this verse, it doesn't mean that there's anything lacking, it's just been, it's stating one part. And then the next part is stated in the verses which follow on from this. <coughs> so the impersonalists, they see that sense gratification <coughs> is not the cause of happiness, it is the cause of misery. Find in, in Buddhism, one of the basic principles, teachings, that desire is the cause of the entanglement. Desire is the cause of it. Therefore they say we should stop all desire. That is true, that we should stop all material desires. But there's more, we should develop a spiritual desire to serve Krishna. So in the path of Krishna consciousness, in, of developing Krishna consciousness, there is giving up worldly attachments, giving up sense gratification, and taking up activities that are pleasing to Krishna. 
It requires a total change of consciousness. Completely different to that of the conditions. A devotee may do many of the things that a materialist does, actually. Many of the materialist eats, a devotee eats, a materialist sleeps, a devotee sleeps. A devotee walks on the road, a materialist may walk on the road, but their, their purpose and outlook is completely different. A devotee generally tries to keep his body healthy. A materialist also generally tries to keep his But their purpose is completely different. The devotee tries to keep his body warm, so that the body may be used for the service of Krishna. And a non-devotee tries to keep his body healthy so that he can enjoy sense gratification unrestricted. So there's a great difference in outlook. The devotee who is on the path, that means the sadha, or one who is endeavoring to become Krishna conscious, he is between the two platforms. If he's a serious devotee, then his aim is only to serve Krishna. Of course, there are different levels of devotees. Here it is stated, Nardo yasche karma Nothing else should be the goal of one's work. Karma, Prabhupada has translated in karma bhi as by occupational activities. So there are different levels of people and different levels of devotees. There's the Vikarmi, who is engaged in Vikarmi. He doesn't care for the rules and regulations of Shastri. He, he works in this world and simply to get some profit and to enjoy his senses. So such a person is like an animal. Such a person is just eating and sleeping, mating and depending on the animals with no higher purpose in life. The special feature of human life is the endeavor to, to at least come to the platform of, of Samanya Dharma, ordinary Dharma, not to speak of Paradharma, spiritual Dharma. So if one is not if one is not following dharma, not following shastra at all, and practically such a human being is like an animal. So such a person is called the, the karmi. Then there is the karmi. Karmi means one who is engaged in work. So in a very general term, in a very general way, the term karmi can refer to any human being. But it particularly refers to those who follow the karma kanda section of the Vedas, with the aim of uh, enjoying life according to the uh, prescriptions given in the karma kanda section. Then uh, higher than that is the karma yogi, who follows the Vedic prescriptions but does so for the 
or does so by, by offering the fruits of his results to the Supreme Lord. Of course, there are different levels of Kamiyo, Nishkam Kamiyo, Sakam Kamiyo. Anyway, we're simplifying. And Bhakti Yogi, he's also engaged in karma because he's everyone doing some kind of work. If one is sweeping the floor in the temple, that could be considered karma, but that is Krishna karma. Karma That is work for Krishna. So that is not included within the karma marga, that is within the bhakti marga. So that is work for Krishna. And that that is in a different consciousness of that of the karma yogi who performs the prescribed uh, rules and regulations of the Karnakanda section of the Vedas, but he does so uh, offering the fruits of the results to Lord Krishna. He's still more in the Karnakanda than the Bhakti Marga. So when one acts wholly and solely for the pleasure of Krishna, then he is a pure But most devotees in this world are not fully are not pure devotees in as much as their ideal may be to be a pure devotee. Of course, there are different devotees also. Some do not have the idea to be a pure devotee. Some uh, perform bhakti, but they want something Krishna. So there's not really bhakti. Real bhakti begins when one accepts the principle of when one accepts the principle of not acting for any manner of personal sense gratification, either grossly physical or mental or intellectual, then that brings one to what is called Uttama Bhakti, or the highest stage of Bhakti. Uttama Bhakti here means that it conceptually it is the highest stage. That one is not desiring gross sense gratification or liberation from performing bhakti. But one does it only for the sake of pleasing the God. So one may be on the path of Uttama Bhakti. But still his bhakti may be uh, contaminated by desires for material sense gratification. Even though one has the the ideal of being on the high, to come to the standard of only of, of serving Krishna, one is endeavoring for living by that ideal of serving Krishna only for his pleasure. But due to material contaminations, one is still affected by desires for sense gratification. So this is the stage of sadhana where one is endeavoring to try and become elevated by personal effort and by the mercy of devotees. Both of One should take association of devotees who are more advanced and follow their instructions, which means the instructions given in Shastra for elevation to Krishna consciousness. So these instructions for Krishna for Krishna consciousness, they are broadly in two categories. 
And that we'll find in Karma Kanda also. Vidhi and Nishay. Of course, the Vidhi and Nishay in Karma Kanda, this is very common in Karma Kanda. That is quite different to the Vidhi and Nishay of, of Bhakti Mahan. Vidhi means that which should be done. Nishayda means that which should not be done. So all these rules and regulations are meant, the Vidhi is especially meant for developing one's love of Krishna. And the Nishayda or the restriction is meant for restricting us from sense gratification. So we have rules that one should rise early in the morning and chant the holy names of the Lord. One should take only Krishna, Prasada, one should. So with every positive rule, there comes automatically uh, a restriction. One should rise early, then automatically with that restriction comes not to rise late. One should chant the holy name of the Lord, one should not talk nonsense. One should take food that is only that food which is prasada, then one should not eat non-prasada. So all these rules and regulations are there to elevate the aspiring yogi to the transcendent. which will be affected if one follows the rules and regulations. Now, now that's also become, you have to watch this one also, because you touch the Panchapatra, which was contaminated. The other one also became contaminated by the touch. These rules apply in Karmakanda and in Bhakti Marga also. There are many such points, and understanding them is important in the service of Lord Krishna. Krishna is Jagannath. He is the Lord of the universe. He is the greatest king. Can you imagine that it is easy to serve a king? How should a king be served? A king should be served in the best possible manner, isn't it? According to his desire. But the king, he, the king will only appoint as his servants the best, most capable people in the state. So if one wants to be a servant of a king, he has to be very capable. This all has to be before you put anything. Don't, don't put that there. Now, take it out. Take it out. It's all, this area all needs cleaning and it's been feet up on that. So. It all needs to be cleaned before you put anything out. Before you put this back, you have to wipe the whole area. Well, then look, there's water all over the floor. It has to be wiped. 
you can't see from there, but there's water here. This all has to be white. Yeah. This should have actually been done before the <laughs> so to serve a king, it's not so. It's not that anyone can serve a king. If anyone tries and to serve the king, if he's not qualified, then he'll lose his job very quickly. He might lose his head also. If one comes to the service of the king and the king says, uh, "All right, do this," and they say, well, "Why should?" Okay, and does it in a very sloppy, whimsical kind of fashion. The king, he has the power to appoint anyone he likes as the servant. So why should he keep such a useless person? So, in the same way, if we are to serve Krishna, we have to serve in the best possible way. One who is serving the king has to act only for the pleasure of the king. He has to subordinate his own desires and do just whatever the king wants, and then he'll be a perfect servant. If in the course of serving the king, he simply uh, works for his own self-interest, then soon he will be detected and removed from the service. Now, of course, the servant of the king, he may have some spare time in which he can indulge in whatever he likes. But even then, if he's an intimate servant of the king, he may be called at any time. He may be, uh, it's his day off and he's having a party or relaxing at home in bed, but all of a sudden a messenger comes and says, hey, the king wants you to come immediately. He has to go. So a devotee is serving the greatest king. And Krishna, in the same way, he has to be served according to Krishna's desire. If we think, I shall serve Krishna just the way I like to do. That may be karma kanda or karma yoga. Karma yoga. I'll do what I like and I'll offer it to Krishna. So Krishna... He may formally accept it if it's done according to the Vedic rules and regulations just for the sake of purifying that person, but he doesn't accept it in his heart. That which is done with personal desire, Krishna, just as the person makes a show of offering it, so Krishna makes a show of receiving it, but Krishna doesn't accept it within his heart. Only that which is offered with love. And love means when one has no desire but to act for the pleasure of that person for which one is supposed to be acting. That's why in Krishna consciousness one has to know what is pleasing to Krishna and be very conscientious about doing it. 
Just like I think, not I think, I know, I have a, I have a reputation for being very strict or heavy is the word. But should I be anything else? If I'm going to take the position of guru, then I'm supposed to train at least those who are disciples that they come to me. They themselves voluntarily come to me. I've not gone chasing behind them. Here, become my disciple. They come to me. It means they want shasha. Shisha means you want shasha. So it is my duty to train them. And it is the nature of a conditioned soul to act in a manner that is not proper. The conditioned soul when takes Krishna on this, he doesn't know how to properly serve Krishna. So he should be trained to put his own thoughts and ideas for my own comfort to the background and only to act for the service of Krishna. So if I was not to tell, if I was not to point out this should be done, that should be done, this should be done in this way, in such and such a manner, then I would be failing in my duty. I should not accept service and honor from disciples unless I prepared to train them. Training means Mostly correcting faults. Mostly to make them fit for the service of Krishna. Because generally in material life, we always try to find some comfortable position. How to do everything very easily. Quickly just put a broom, or maybe not even a broom, just a cloth. And then quickly go around and finish. But they don't see behind the cupboard, under the bed, behind the boxes, there's so much dust. And if you just wipe with the cloth and you don't brush the floor, then all the dust, it doesn't go out of the room. You just, by wiping with the cloth, you wipe it round and round on the floor and it just stays there. And then if you brush the floor without taking anything out, I'm just saying because we, we went, I went through this this morning for the 25,000 times. Then if you brush the floor without taking everything out, then one thing is that all the dust underneath things in the room stay there, stays there. You can't see it, so it's very nice and clean. But if you just remove something, you'll find so much dust underneath it. And uh, then whatever you are dusting, all that will go on top of whatever's in the room. So it's a completely uh, useless endeavor to try and clean the room with. So as I was pointing out this morning, that others in our society, they may talk about Rasalila and so many things. But I would like to see first if you know how to clean a room. Because if you can't clean a room properly, then you can't even get to Vaikuntha because that's, there's no dirt or filth there. They want to speak about going beyond that to 
Golok Vrindavan. You go to Golok Vrindavan, you can't end it. One has to have a mood of such, I mean, like, I think I It's much easier just to wipe it, finish two minutes. It is easy, and it's true. But the point is that the room is not clean properly. And in this case, Guru is inside as well. And uh, if, you, if you think I will go to the spiritual world and serve Krishna like that, then no way, you won't be allowed it. Because one is, if one is thinking, I will do, this is my devotional service, I'll do it very quickly and easily. But then that's not devotional service, you're not thinking of the pleasure of the Lord. Oh, I have to go and do my chanting. And now I'm chanting. So I'm going to do my chanting. But uh, if there's service to be done, then even chanting has to come afterwards. It's not that. Uh, even Prabhupada was saying, cleaning should be done early in the morning. And then the devotees have said, well, the devotees like to chant during that time. Prabhupada said, first cleaning, then japping. Just like that. Your house is burning down. Well, I'm chanting my job. What do you say? There's service, there's some service to do. I'm chanting my job. Krishna needs, Krishna took an impromptu bath in the Yamuna. Someone should go and bring his clothes from home, some fresh clothes. Uh, anyway, I'm trying to Do you think anyone can get admission to the spiritual world with such an attitude? So, I'm pointing these things out. So don't mind. Don't think I'm being nasty on you. Actually, Bhaktisiddhan Sajaktako, he explained that it is one of the Apparent contradictions within the character of Vaishnava. Now, I shouldn't pretend to be a Vaishnava, but, well, I am pretending to be a Vaishnava by taking the position of an instructor. He said that those who he is very harsh with, they may be considered very close to. And those who he deals with very nicely, they may be considered the not very close to. So that seems very strange. But he deals with those who are not very close, those who are not very surrendered. Then he may deal, oh, very nice, yes, yes. Because he knows they're not ready for any training. Let them just, all right, encourage them and let them come to the point of understanding they should be surrendered to Krishna. But then when they come, Shishyasteyam Shadimam Tandrapa. When they come as a disciple, then the intimate behavior begins and they should be instructed. And it's not easy to take such instruction. It's not easy to be a disciple. If one, is a, if one is actually to be a disciple, it's not an easy thing. We say four rounds, what the four sorry. Four regulated principles, sixteen rounds. If you think that's all. Four regulated principles, 16 rounds, and uh, I get a name, and uh, I'm a disciple. 
put my Guru's picture on the wall. I offer Agabati every day. I'm a disciple. That's not what it means to be a disciple. A disciple means one has to be prepared to take the training. And it may not be very easy. Generally, it's not very easy. Because training means we don't know. In the darkest of ignorance, we don't know what is proper, what is not proper. Therefore, we have a tendency always to act for our sense gratification, even in the name of Krishna. Just like that example, let me just quickly finish it off. You may say, well, it's not for myself. I want to quickly finish so I can go jump and jump. But that's also the, the desire to avoid the service, the desire to not do it properly is also a kind of sense gratification. It means that one's consciousness is not clearly fixed on service. Another example, at the time I, especially when formally giving class, the Gita of Bhagavatam should not should be above the level of the, the legs. But why is that? You think, well, it doesn't make much difference. But if we sit above Bhagavatam, that means that we have taken the position that I am more than Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is very nice, therefore by my divine grace I'm reading from it. And I'll put it just below me just to show that that actually I'm in a superior position. So whatever is there in Bhagavatam, I will explain it according to my own understanding because I'm in a superior position. This is what is implied. One may not think like that, but it's implied. Therefore, one should also always physically place oneself as the servant of Bhagavatam. Even as... Uh, point of basic etiquette, one always sits below the superior, so one should maintain a superior position to that of Dharma. So these points, they are important. Same thing, we can't go to the spiritual world and, and uh, sit above Krishna. Of course in Golokvindavan one may do so, out of a intensely developed desire of service to Krishna. But if in our present state, where, where we haven't developed such intense desires for service of Krishna, if we sit about Krishna in the form of his literary incarnation, that will not demonstrate the spirit of service to Krishna. That will demonstrate a spirit of rebelliousness against Krishna. So there's a very great difference between the spontaneity of the Radha Marga and the uh, laziness or whim of the uh, sadha or supposed to be aspiring devotee who doesn't uh, take Krishna conscious very seriously. So these are very strong words. One should not live 
for sense gratification. So we shouldn't think that this applies simply to grossly materialistic people. This applies to ourselves also. We all have desires for sense gratification within our hearts, which manifest in various ways, gross and subtle. One very strong impediment to advancement in Krishna consciousness, which uh, we especially find among we has to devotees, is the desire to be socially accepted. Now, Prihasta, generally speaking, social acceptance is very important. But if, I mean, I'm talking about the broader society that has one's relatives, workmates, so, so as to not be rejected by them, if one rejects some of the important principles of Krishna consciousness, And it's very dangerous. One should rather be ready to sacrifice for Krishna. Of course, I'm just talking as a basic principle. It's understood that in Grihastha life there, there may be some adjustments. Grihastha life is not exactly the same as Brahmacharya, Sannyasa. But this tendency to adjust oneself to the desires of materialistic people rather than adjusting oneself to the desires of Krishna is a major cause of, of one's or it's a major obstacle in advancement in Krishna consciousness. And it works on the principle of sense gratification because it's difficult to go against society, it's difficult to go against one's relatives, neighbors, friends. So for mental comfort, then I'll just adjust them. I'll just do what they like. That is a kind of sense gratification. So this is a very important principle that all forms of sense gratification have to be given up for the sake of serving Krishna. And sense gratification doesn't only mean meat eating, gambling, intoxication, illicit sex. Every, even the slightest, subtlest desire for acting for one's own benefit without considering. First, what is Krishna's desire? Without seeing one's own benefit as acting only for Krishna's desire, if one acts in another way, and that is also satisfaction. So, we should go on with this process of sadhana. Chant the holy name. In Japa and in Kirtan, this will purify us. But at the same time, we have to deliberately 
take out the desires for sense. Ourselves we may not be able to recognize. And therefore we work under the guidance of senior devotees. Guru is there to cut all the faults. To help us advance on the path of Hare Krishna. Any question about this? If a karma yogi is looking after cows, what will be his position in the next life? I don't didn't seem to be very much related to the France. But uh, well you can't say exactly what anyone will get in his next life. Because it's very complex. Generally, the, the Goraksha is considered a pious activity. So if he doesn't perform any other impious activities, then he should get Sadhga, relatively, at least a relatively good position. And if he's a Karma Yogi, another Bhakta, then he's not going to get pure devotion to Krishna. Protecting cows in itself doesn't get pure devotion to Krishna. It's a pious activity. It's not necessarily part of bhakti, unless it's done specifically for the pleasure of Krishna. Is there any other questions? Let, let, me, uh, let me try and see if I got your question. Chanting Hare Krishna is a prayer, and prayer means that we should express our feelings to God, communication with God. And especially you are saying that you have many problems, and you're asking, is it also alright to tell to other people? If we tell people, not of this world, but we tell to God, they will put us down. So, what is the question actually? We should not ask anything from Krishna. But you're feeling that I have to ask him to solve my problems. Hmm. The meaning of prayer, prayer is to communicate to God and I want to communicate all my problems. So yes, um, the answer to this question is that we should come to a higher level of consciousness. and understand that our real problem is not that I have a pain in my toe or that the next door neighbor screams too loudly at night and I can't get to sleep or whatever our problems are. These are not our, we have so much tension and anxiety. This is not our real problem. These are only symptoms of the real problem and the real problem is that I am a rascal because I am not surrendered to Krishna. That is the real problem. So, it's, it's, we can pray to God that, you know, I have this problem and that problem and the other problem and why don't you do something to solve it? But it's, praying to God like that is something like a prisoner 
someone commits a crime, then he's put in the prison, and then he writes a letter to the uh, prison governor that, you know, in this prison I'm always locked up, and I can't get the kind of food that I like, and I can't go where I like to go. I have so many problems, why don't you solve them? So the governor will say, well, uh, you got yourself in this position. This is the posi- This is what it's like in prison. You came here because of your own nonsense. And I could solve the problem, but why should I? You made the problem because you're a rascal. So praying to God, please remove my, my uh, distresses. It's like that, a prisoner making a request that please don't make the prison so harsh. Make the prison nice. But the prison is like a prison because the prisoners deserve to be in such a situation. So for them to pray that, make the prison nicer. It's the wrong prayer. We should, rather the prisoner should approach the government and say, look, I'll make a deal. I'll be a good guy. Then you let me out. He said, okay, but let's see for some time first. Not that we just say and we let you out. So rather we should pray to Krishna, Ainanda Tanajakin Param Patitam Mahavishame Bhavam Buddha, Kutayatavapana Kamkadas Titidhuri Sadrisham Pichinkara. That Krishna, I'm fallen in this world of suffering, I'm suffering here. So please pick me up from this situation and place me as the dust in your lotus feet. That should be our prayer. The prayer that you make me, you, you put an air conditioner in my cell, too hot in the summer. This is the wrong prayer. So really if, if we are to communicate with God, we have to communicate on His terms, not on our terms. He's God, we are the servant. You won't be able to concentrate. Therefore you come here and you take training in what, it is, in what is required to communicate with God. It's not such an easy thing or a cheap thing. I was giving the example of the king. So it's, it's not that everyone can just immediately go to the king. They have to know the protocol. They have to, it has to be understood that they are, they're not an enemy of the king. That they have come with a good intention. Now we're in this dark and horrible material world by our own fault. So now we should do what is required to come out of that. I'm going to finish here because there's going to be an initiation ceremony, which is very good. You don't have that many initiation ceremonies here in Mangalore. It's long overdue, so it's very auspicious. I request all of you to stay.